Welcome, Rabbi Taylor. Hi. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, so I'll introduce Chelio really quickly because he'll start his work. But this is Chelio Bordin, um, perception artist from Italy, who was an artist showcased during the Venice Biennale um, at the first Humanizing the Icon exhibit, which is what kicked off this um, chat series and podcast during the pandemic. Um, hi, Chelio. Hi, buongiorno a tutti. Nice to meet you. And then we have a good uh, uh, show today. And then I'm very happy and very excited. To... Let's do it. Yes. Yeah, so Chelia will be transforming the energy of our talk into a live drawing. Um, so we'll let you go do, go do your work. Yeah. Thank you. We'll talk to you at the end. I'm really excited to see this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. It's, it's always something. Um, cool. So, Rabbi, first tell us, where are you geographically? So, geographically, I'm in a, a city called Plantation, Florida, and um, it's in the Fort Lauderdale area, South Florida. Okay, great. Have you been based there for a long time? Uh, I was born here and grew up here um, in this area and um, was living in New Jersey for a, for a while, but we've been back in South Florida for about uh, almost 11 years now. So, and oh. I, I love it here. Yeah. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Oh, beautiful. And it seems a lot of people are moving to Florida during COVID times. Have you noticed that? I have. I have. We, uh, it's, uh, it's, Every day there are people flocking to, I mean, Florida is a great place to live and uh, financial reasons are also good. It's, it's good for business. It's good for uh, weather and it's got a lot of perks. And um, so how has COVID been for you? Like, I have to ask that, of course, like, how's this yeah. last year been? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like everybody else, I'm completely COVIDed out, and, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been, you know, it, it's everyone has their own unique challenge. There, uh, you know, we have, thank God, six kids uh, in the house, and uh, before, before school started, it was six months of the kids basically at home uh, for a lot of that time, wow. and so uh, that was its own unique challenge. And uh, some, some folks had, had the challenge for six months of, of not having anyone in their home. So, I mean, there was, there were, everyone's got their own set of challenges through this time. And uh, I'm glad that we can see like a light coming uh, at the end of the tunnel and um, you know, that the vaccine is out and it's being distributed and, and God willing uh, in the not too distant future, things will, get a semblance of normal normalcy again and uh we can get back to things living life absolutely yes <laughs> um so what has your role been in in your community in terms of during this time specifically has that been i mean so yeah i mean things have changed because of the fact that uh, you know our, our normal crowd which was over 100 people on a saturday morning uh, was drastically reduced and um we'll you know we, we've we've had services a good chunk of the time once things have once things were able to open back up in florida but everything you know is, is socially distanced and even even still uh you know with mask wearing and social distancing there's still a good chunk of people that are not comfortable coming back yet and and slowly but surely we see the trickle back 
as the vaccine has been has come out and people are beginning to get it, um, it's it's been something that has, uh, thank God, been a a light at the end of the tunnel that we are seeing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So. Okay, I want to give a little backstory to how you and I connected. Um, it was through my friend, Sean Kanan, who was actually the last guest on the show, um, who is an actor that I've collaborated with um, as a filmmaker. And he introduced us. What is your connection to Sean? He was so excited about like <laughs> the synergy with you and your progressive philosophies and humanizing the icon. But what is your sort of history with Sean? Uh, so Sean, Sean and I became friends um, about a year ago, um, where I asked I asked him to be on a on a YouTube channel show that I was doing, okay. and um, yeah, and he and uh, he agreed. I, I I just I I liked him. I re I reached out. Um, I don't remember through it was through somebody else. Uh, I remember him in Karate Kid Part Three. I yeah. I always liked that role. I was actually growing up. I'm you know he's he's about he's probably around 20 years my senior um maybe a little less i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> yeah uh, but i mean let's say 15 years at least but um uh, so growing up i was kind of scared of him in his in his role in the karate kid uh, movie he was the bad guy yes. um but uh, it was good to connect with him and then really from then on we we really just hit it off and uh, we we speak on our really on a regular basis now, and uh, there's a lot of good a lot of good energy that has come from that. So I'm really happy about that, and I'm glad that he introduced us. Me too, and I was actually so surprised um, about the discussion that I had with him and just his connection to humanizing and um, like the law of attraction and just different sort of universal constructs and ideas it was it was really powerful and it was out of that part of the conversation that he connected connected us <laughs> okay so, um so i want to go into that next like what sort of attracted you to even the the phrase humanizing the icon and then that can lead into your work because i know you have books and philosophies and i'd love to hear just some highlights sure so i mean the way he described it was humanizing the icon that sometimes we tend to think of uh i guess a person or a role or or whatnot as almost like uh some sort of character or we we have we have a misconception of people based on either their titles or on their positions or on their uh some sort of stereotypical model that we mold somebody to and humanizing the icon the way again it was described to me was sort of like breaking through that a little bit and getting to know the person as an individual as opposed to their title or role or way that we may assume them to be exactly like persona versus the real person yeah so okay so people have their conceptions right of someone who is a rabbi how can you tell us about your journey in terms of why you chose to to play that role um yeah, we'll start there. Yeah, so I mean, the the I would say one of the biggest jobs that I have in my life, especially not only as a rabbi, but as an Orthodox rabbi, Orthodox rabbi, yeah. that's like something that people really have a preconceived notion on that's, that I think a certain way and that I'm going to look at someone a certain way and that everyone has this very, um, very distinct 
cookie cutter model of what they're expecting to get. And I, I would say that uh, certainly on a weekly basis, people are just like, wow, I, this is not what I expected at all. Um, as far as viewpoints and uh, non-judgmental uh, attitude. And I, I, think people, I think people feel that they're going to be judged, that they're going to be um, looked at a certain way, um, and, that I, and that my views are a certain way. And meanwhile, it's, when we have a conversation, it's like, wow, that's, it's not, uh, that's not what I expected at all. So I, I actually like the idea of um, shattering people's preconceived notions on a regular basis, which is, uh, which is a good thing. Um, because the, the preconceived notions are not are not particularly good. They're they're very um, they're very stereotypical. That that uh, a rabbi and uh, to add insult to injury, an Orthodox rabbi is going to be very judgmental and very um, you know black and white and very uh, cookie cutter and closed minded and etc. 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 So um, you know, it was, it was a path. It was, it was truly a, a, a calling, I, I guess, is the uh, way that people describe it. When I was 15 years old, I decided that this is the way that I uh, wanted to live my life. And that came about through uh, a, a pretty easy stirring of, I like to call it the stirring of my, uh, my soup, my stirring of my pot. I, I liked people. I liked teaching. I liked study. I liked spirituality. So you stir that in a pot, Rabbi seems like the you know a pretty good fit for uh, for for that, and and that's and that has what what has led me um, throughout the rest of my life and endeavors to to go on the path that I've gone. And so, what are one of the main, I guess, things that shock people about you in terms of being an Orthodox rabbi? What it, what sets you apart? that you've heard or that you know about yourself? Right, I mean, I, I don't know that it's me per se, but I think a lot of people have a very specific way that they would think of an Orthodox rabbi. Um, and I think, I, I think number one is the non-judgmentalness, okay. uh, if that's even a real word, but, um, <laughs> <know what you're laughs> but <mean. laughs> people, people feel like they're going to be judged. And I think, I think a lot of the reason that people, um, sometimes have an aversion in general to religious affiliation, identifying specifically with a religious denomination. I, I hear all the time, like, I, I don't believe in organized religion. I'm not a part of organized religion. And, and a lot of times, first of all, I'm like, well, then you're good because I'm not very organized. But, um, <laughs> but, but the idea, the idea is that I, I think people oftentimes feel that uh, either they're judged or if they're in organized religion, that it's going to be too cookie cutter for them to, to really explore things and think about things and discuss things uh, in it with any sort of depth or expanding in, in a way that they would uh, like to. And, um, I, and Judaism in particular uh, is, is something that discussion is something that's welcome. It's not something discouraged. Questions are something that's welcome for discussion as opposed to something discouraged. And I think when people get a taste of that, the, um, the, there's a sense of enjoyment and a sense of satisfaction and a relief even uh, when, when recognizing that that's, that's what they're going to get as opposed to a cookie cutter um, magic eight ball response as to like, okay, what should, can I do this or can I not do this? It's either yes or no. It's, it's, it's much more nuanced than that. I think. Like it's more, 
Well, I think what you're saying too is it's very accepting. Very accepting. Not not that not that I or anyone is accepting of all behaviors, but accepting of all peoples. In right. other words, I, I could, and I, and I think that's 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 an important that's an important idea that that gets lost in society uh, a lot of the times as well. That oftentimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater, mm -hmm. and if I don't like something or I disagree with what somebody does or even what somebody believes, I also reject the person. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is that you can disagree with a person, what they believe, or disagree with what a person, how a person acts or whatnot, and still be accepting and even embracing of the person. Mm -hmm. And what would you say the core values of Orthodox Judaism are? Like if you were to sum up Sure. Um, I mean, the, the, the fundamental belief, the fundamental idea in traditional Judaism is that God gave the Torah to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. And these are, this is basically the instruction manual for life, the blueprint of creation. And through engaging in the commandments and the lifestyle and values that are uh, laid out in the Torah, we connect to God and bring godliness to the world. That, and ultimately, through enough people uh, engaging with the world in the way that represents God's will, uh, then we make the world into a dwelling place for God. In other words, when I look around, after enough people are engaged in this particular uh, worldview, that the world becomes a godly place. That the, the, very, the very physical existence that was initially created to obscure godliness became, becomes a place that reveals godliness. Yes, which does actually sound like the law of attraction. There, there are certain similar, um, uh, there are certain uh, similar expressions of that. In terms Absolutely. of in terms of consciousness as a tool for manifesting our world into godliness, or or however you want to call it, I guess. Right. I I, th I think in the law of attraction. Uh, wording usually it's like the universe and I, I always I always I always find that when when some what, what some people call the universe is is really just a synonym for what I'm calling God I agree uh, I agree yeah um and I, I think I think I mean I I, I might want to ask you about this but I think I think when sometimes people and I'm not saying you do this or but I, I I've found that some people are more comfortable with the term universe mainly because it's less, there, there's less responsibility attached. And what, what I mean by that is that if I believe in there, there's a God and that God had a specific purpose uh, in creating the world and I, I might have to, you know, change my diet, change my weekend plans and, and whatever, <laughs> do things that are, you know, maybe outside of what I am comfortable doing. Whereas calling, uh, you know, something like sort of like a, a divine consciousness is less intimidating and also doesn't require uh, as much on my part as far as what I quote unquote need to do. On, on the part of the human. On the part of the human. Right. Yeah, yeah I can see that, which I find um, interesting because I think I personally believe we have a sense of responsibility um, across the board, whether you're practicing spirituality in a religion or in this cosmic 
it, it, to me, they are sort of interchangeable. I, I mean, that's how I see it. I do, because like what you just described as godliness and the world and the more people that um, put their intention and attention and focus in a certain way, then the more we kind of lift the veil to the divine nature or the godliness of the, of the world um, reminded me of, yeah, these universal laws, which I guess Kabbalah gets into on like a numerology, astrological, scientific way too, right? And is Kabbalah something that would be also integrated into Orthodox Judaism? Is it like somewhere in there? Well, well, yes and no. Um, okay. So what, what, I, what I mean by that is yes in the, yes in actuality, but what a lot of people have been uh, taught uh, as, as representing Kabbalah, uh, you know, Kabbalistic thinking and whatnot, it, it may be at great distance from what traditional Jewish uh, Kabbalistic works are describing. I, I think um, in the last 20 or 30 years, different organizations have made Kabbalah into sort of a uh, a fad. You know, you have celebrities who are, you know, you know into it and uh, they, they're wearing red strings and they're uh, drinking only Kabbalah water and uh, whatever yeah. it is. You know, and so it's it's not it's not meant to be something where you're you know covering yourself in amulets and and you know scanning through the Zohar and uh, and this is this is not the mainstream idea of what Kabbalah is all about. You are correct that a lot of those concepts are addressed in Jewish mysticism. Right. Uh, however, the way that I'm just I'm just pointing out um, as just like a point of reference no, that good, what, yeah. what a lot of people call Kabbalah is is more like a uh, Hollywood version or, or a money-making version yeah. of, of, of actual sacred principles. That's so interesting. And how do you feel about that in the sense that um, there's that aspect that it's become in vogue um, and Hollywood and yet at the same time it's giving, it's been an entry point for a lot of people to actually discover their connection to spirituality in some form, maybe people that wouldn't have even explored because it was so in vogue, it kind of like got them there. And now they're actually discovering whatever it is. Maybe it's just that they want to be meditating, or maybe it's just that they feel some connection that they're discovering. So is it like, does it bother you? I mean, just to be direct, that Kabbalah went in that direction or do you see the silver lining too? Well, I mean, I certainly see the silver lining. Um, and I like that you described it as a silver lining because the silver lining means, I mean, in your wording, you actually kind of referenced that when, what the idea of a silver lining means Overall, it's not such a great situation, but there's a silver lining, and, and uh, <laughs> you know that no one says silver lining as like that. It's like you know, if it's something's good, it's good. Um, and the silver lining is if something's overall not so great, but there's a silver lining. There's a good aspect that that comes out from it. So, I mean, I, I think I'm I think I'm kind of on that track where I do see the silver lining, and I know for for a number of people, it has been the uh, the the very first thing in their journey. Of, of exploration and it has led people 
to explore and ultimately wind up in the what I would call the the correct place or in the traditional place. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, overall, it, what, like anything else, uh, if something is a medium, is a mechanism for uh, something after it, oftentimes it's good. If it becomes an end in and of itself, uh, it can be not as good. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody thinks that that's the end all and be all of what Jewish mysticism is about, and, uh, you know, and, and sort of misassociates what, what, the, what, the, what, is, what it is about, then I would say that that's it's not such a great idea. But if it does lead them on the path to uh, the traditional direction, I would say that that would ultimately be a good thing that came out from it. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I mean, a lot as of- As a springboard, as a springboard, I think it's okay. But, but, but as, as a, as an in, like as a, as philosophy in its own right, I would say not so great. Okay. And I think a lot of people have this point of view um, with regard to many different aspects of religion and spirituality now. I feel, do you feel the collective is more consciously searching in a way than you've seen in past decades? Absolutely. And, and I, I think, you know, I like to think about it as that a lot of people are thirsty. They're in a desert, uh, a desert devoid, uh, and they're parched of spirituality. Problem is that when you're thirsty, you know, you, you have to you have to drink something. I think I, I think people are rushing to just drink anything. And and not looking at the contents of what they're of what they're drinking, mm-hmm. they don't maybe not they don't know what to drink that's going to satisfy the thirst. And I see people putting what what should be spiritual energy uh, into molding their life into things like their political uh, worldview, and that becomes basically like their religion that really? that it takes the place right their values and their purpose and their their all their enthusiasm and activism and whatever is all dedicated to their political uh, uh, leanings, and it's like, well, that's that's not what's going to quench this thirst that you have inside of you for spirituality, mm-hmm. you know. And that, and again, politics has its time and place, and everything in your life has its place. That's fine, but when you try to quench you know, quench your thirst of of meaning, of purpose, of of uh, connection with the divine, you're not going to find it uh, outside of an actual connection with with God. There, I mean, there are things that lead us in in the right in the right direction, and things that are good and can uh, can be very beneficial to us. Meditation and and uh, certain spiritual practices; these are all good things, and a person heading in the right direction. But ultimately, like, what's what's the end goal? What's the end game over here? You know. I find when a lot of people say the word spirituality, mm-hmm. they it's they're calling what they're calling spirituality, but I, I think a lot of times it it is really referencing something that is good for like relaxation or for calm or or uh, you know which are all good things, but let's not call something spirituality if it's if it's not spirituality like meditation is good and it has its place but a lot of the things that people are using meditation for are, are essentially a way to sort of you know uh calm them calm their nerves down calm anxiety again which is a good thing i'm not yeah, i'm not yeah. knocking that 
but that that may not be um, what what the practice that they're that they're doing may not be uh, spirituality. Right. Right. Really and so there's there's a limit there's a limited benefit that's going to come from that as far as quenching their their innermost desires to connect with 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 actual with spirituality with God and with purpose and meaning in life again it has its place and everyone needs relaxation everyone needs focus mindfulness all of these things are wonderful and are very helpful for our overall well-being but ultimately like if the core and the you know the real purpose of why why am I here? What am I doing? What is the purpose of my life and our lives in general? There's going to be a there's going to be a void that's not going to be uh, quenched so fast. Mm-hmm. And what is the purpose of our lives? Well, I mean, it collectively, our our collective mission. I see one one of the interesting things in 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 traditional Judaism is that a person doesn't have to be of the Jewish faith in order to be like in the good in, in the good in good standing with god yeah and um so being a moral person uh, as described in the uh what we call the seven laws of noah you know everyone knows the story of noah and the flood and the world was so corrupt that god had to sort of start over and so noah and his family are the ones that are are saved from this catastrophe and god makes a covenant with noah uh, because it, you know, on the biblical model, we're all, we're all kind of, uh, we're all descendants, we're all cousins, we're all great, 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 great grandchildren of Noah. And so w- from Noah's time, it was solidified that uh, humanity acting in a moral way, God gave seven laws, right? Seven moral laws uh, were given to Noah for all of his descendants. And any human being who upholds those seven laws, those seven moral principles, in God's eyes, is 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 good to go. So I will never con- I will never seek converts. That's okay. it's one of the one of the things that distinguishes Judaism from many other faiths is that we're not going out there knocking doors and trying to get people to come. In fact, if somebody wants to convert, typically they're they're kind of like 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 not 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 pushed away, but kind of just like whoa 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 like why? Yeah. And the idea is that you have you have a role in this world already you don't need the you don't need to be a jew to to be in good standing with god and to have the purpose that god that god wants so the the idea is that for humanity that our our job is to to express godliness in the world uh through the instructions of the torah and then and and for for the for the, the the general human population of nearly of of seven billion people uh, that means to live a a lifestyle that is moral, that uh, in in seven specifically defined ways: uh, belief in God, uh, not not cursing God, not murdering, not con- committing uh, certain acts of immorality, uh, not um, not stealing, to to not uh, be cruel to animals is actually one of them, right? Eating the limb from a live animal, not being cruel to animals. And uh, the seventh law is establishing courts of justice that uphold the other six. And from, from a traditional Jewish standpoint, if, if humanity is operating in that capacity on their own free will, then what happens is that this world, which was created as a place that obscures godliness, God gave us free will. Because think about this. 
the ultimate expression of godliness, the ultimate real revelation of godliness, is that godliness be revealed even in the place that was created to conceal godliness. God created specifically a physical world which obscures godliness, which hides godliness. And at the same time, God gives us free will and through our own engagement with the darkness and the concealment of that this world has, we choose to do the right thing well, we've just revealed godliness in the place that was created to conceal godliness, which is the ultimate revelation of godliness. Uh-huh. And so that, that is our, that is our, as far as, as far as collectively as humankind is concerned, that's our goal. The Jewish people have uh, added commandments on that that we're required to do to, to, to bring spirituality into the world. But it's, we're, in the, we're all in this together. And on an, on an individual level, each person as an individual has a unique piece of the puzzle to contribute to that, that global goal. And the way I express that and the way you express that might be very different, but it's all meant to go towards the same goal. Some people do it as a singer. Some people do it as a writer. Some people do it as an actor or actress. Some people do it as a rabbi or a teacher. Whatever it is, there is a way that you, with your own unique talents personally and your own unique abilities personally, can contribute in the puzzle piece of making this world into a place that radiates the divine. That's beautiful. And so I ask now about the soul. Does this connect to the soul? Yeah. Okay. Can you speak to that? Because when you talk about these pieces that we each are of this whole tapestry, I immediately see soul. Like everyone is kind of on a unique mission within this common landscape sometimes i see it as like a bubble bath (laughs) and we're each a bubble you know with a unique formation but we're all part of made up of the same elements and so how do you speak about soul or to the idea of soul sure well our, our soul is a piece of the divine that's that's inside of us that enlivens us and that ultimately always keeps us connected with the source of the divine if you if you will we're kind of like uh it we're, we're all ta- we're all sparks or torches that are taken from the grand bonfire, if you will. They're all made of the same stuff from the same source, uh, but all individual unique expressions of 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 that. Uh, and so, um, each each soul, each person, is given a, a particular mission, uh, right? With particular unique talents and unique abilities and unique passions. Uh, and you and born to unique situations and and put in unique situations, right? My situation is not your situation. It's not your neighbor's situation. It's not your brother or sister's situation. You could grow up in the same house, the same the same neighborhood, the same economic status, the same everything. It's all you could have all the same, but your engagement with it is going to be different than someone who even grew up in your same house because of your nature and your nurture and your particular um, things that you that you are that you have a proclivities towards and you have enjoyment through and passions to. And so with, with that, each person is meant to take their soul spark, their connection with God and manifest that again, through, through the, through the general principles that the Torah lays out for every human being, but take your unique 
expression of that and add it to the world. And you know what? You and I and, and Shilio and everybody watching, we each have our own unique um, aspect that only we can contribute. I can't do what you were meant to do and you can't do what I was meant to do. And neither can Moses and neither can any, we all, that God never made anything or anyone superfluous. Everyone who's here is here for a reason. Everyone has a, has a unique individualized purpose. Uh, I, I, I was once talking in a high school and as I was walking through the, high, the halls in the high school, there was this, there was this poster of, of a monkey coming out of the garbage can. And the caption on the poster said, I know that I'm special because God don't make no junk. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, a very, that's a very powerful message because at the end of the day, the fact that you're here, the fact that God breathed the breath of life into you and gave you X amount of years and certain pa pa uh, passions and talents and, and abilities, that you're here for, for something that no one else in human history ever could do before and ever can do uh, now and, and ever can do in the future. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, a, that's a huge, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna call it like a weight on our shoulders, right? But that's a, that's a huge honor. It's like I've been given a mantle of, of, of importance and purpose and God's ultimate mission in this world that only I can do. It's yes. huge. It's massive. And so what happens to that spark when the body dies, transitions? So the, the, the way that people tend to think of heaven and hell is a very basic, like, uh, it's almost like a baby version of, uh, of, of, the, of the way that, it, that it's kind of described in classical Jewish texts. Uh, the way that people tend to think of it is like heaven and hell are like places. Uh, and heaven looks like winged babies flying on clouds, playing the harp, uh, you know, floating through the sky, and hell is a place with devils and pitchforks and lava and goblins, right? And so it, it's not like that really at all. It, it's, it's, the soul's, it, it's a soul experience, and basically when your soul has finished its mission, its time in this world, your soul encounters truth, your soul encounters spirituality, your soul encounters God. And if you lived a life in accordance with the way that God wanted us to, to live our lives, the way that the reason he put us in this world, well, then being exposed to God and to truth and, is going to be a very enjoyable experience, right? But the same soul who didn't, wasn't in line and didn't live up to their purpose, so when they're exposed to truth and see all of the, uh, the sort of the range of of, of where they actually live to the way that they were meant to live, that, that contrast will be very painful. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you're being exposed to the same God, uh, the, same, the same truth, but that's something that you will perceive uh, in your own unique way very differently. It can either be a very heavenly experience, very pr pleasurable experience, or very painful experience. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like if you won, won front row tickets to the opera, Okay, well, if you love the opera, that's like the best gift you could ever get. And if, if you don't like the opera, it's like the worst curse. It's the same, <laughs> yeah. it's the same, it's the same ticket, right? But, but for one person, it's like the most amazing thing. And for the other person, it's, it's hell on earth. So, so that's, that's kind of the way it is. It's, not, it's a soul experience rather than like, uh, if I go 100 light years up, I'm in heaven. If I go 100 light years down, I'm in hell. And, and I'm there for all eternity. No. It, the soul is is constantly 
undergoing a process in order to fulfill its purpose and its mission. And um, there is the possibility that if a person left certain things undone, that God can be kind to that soul and allow them another opportunity to, to correct something. But the way that reincarnation or, or such a thing is, is viewed in traditional Judaism is, is something different than uh, the way that we tend to sometimes think about these things as well. Or in some faiths, in particular in the East, it's it's almost like, well, if you live your life this way, you get to come back as however you want. Like, I want to be a fish next time, or I want to be a whatever. You know, like it, it's it's not it's not so much like that. It's it's based on how you engaged uh, in your purpose. God can be kind to you and allow you another shot at correcting a certain aspect of that purpose, and um, and you and you'll be granted in a new body uh, or in a new lifetime a the 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 proper um tools and abilities and lifespan in order to accomplish that mission uh one thing for example uh many many great jewish sages over time when they would see somebody who uh had clear physical or mental disabilities they would actually stand in their presence and you think to yourself, well, why? What's 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 that what's that all about? And so the idea is that the reason that they would stand is because that obviously this soul is a very high and lofty soul that has come down. Because remember, in our lifetime, we're only given the tools and abilities that we need to correct to make a certain correction in our soul. And so, if a person was given given very limited tools and abilities, that means that their soul is already very is already very high and very connected uh, and very very uplifted and just has a little bit that it needs to do and that, that's why it was granted limited tools or limited time uh on this earth this, you could say the same thing as well about um things like when 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 people pass away young much younger than uh, expected that they had a very limited mission because they were a very lofty soul mm-hmm. do any of your books speak to these topics? Both of them. Okay, of what them. are they called? The, the, first, the first one is called Pillars of Faith, which, which really kind of tackles in a reasonable way uh, why, in, why traditional Judaism believes what we believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why should I believe there's a God? Why should I believe the Torah was given at Sinai? What's the purpose of this world? Et cetera, et cetera. And sort of, sort of goes through some of the common questions and misconceptions that people have about the Jewish faith in particular, but uh, many of the chapters about faith in general. Okay, perfect. And the other one? The other one's called The Jewish Guide to the Mysterious, which uh, goes into all sorts of paranormal topics and gives a classic uh, Jewish approach, cla- a traditional Jewish approach to things like dreams and astrology and angels and demons and heaven and hell and reincarnation <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So Perfect. Yeah. If, if people want to reach out to you, they can on your website? Yeah, uh, the website. Uh, I, I would I would say just just uh, send me a send me, or send me a Facebook friend request. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'd love to I'd love to get to know you or whatever. If 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 spirituality uh, that's that's another interesting thing. If spirituality or um, in particular from a from a traditional Jewish standpoint is something that has interests you, I actually have uh, an online 
study program, an online learning program that we have members and it's done in a private Facebook group and you can ask questions on a regular basis. And we learn every day for a little, for you know, 15, 15 minutes or so. But um, a lot of people who have various uh, religious backgrounds and either jived or didn't jive or uh, jived in sort of kind of sort of and, and are trying to explore things and uh, are curious to find out uh, some, from a traditional Jewish standpoint, uh, we, we have currently over 300 members uh, in, the, in the program. So if, if that's something that you would be interested in being a part of as well, uh, I would certainly invite any of the listeners to uh, become a part of that as well. Amazing. Um, well, it sounds like you definitely covered uh, humanizing the icon because I've been talking a lot about human as the icon, you know, just what we are as embodied souls and you, you set us on that path. So I'm excited to read your books, honestly. Um, and also, just a last question before Chelio tells us about the art. Sure. The time we're in right now in terms of overall like human development and the collective expansion, um, what does this time represent to you or to uh, your spirituality? Well, I, I think we're getting mighty close to, uh, to the time where, where godliness is something that is uh, openly apparent, uh, and um, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels like actually quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. But uh, sometimes, sometimes the greatest lesson can be taught uh, and can come out of uh, things that on the surface seem to be the opposite. Mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a story. Um, imagine there's a teacher that wants to teach the concept of silence to their class. And so they write the word, the teacher writes the word silence on the board. And as the kids come in the class and before class is starting, everyone starts talking. And as things typically happen in a classroom, if the teacher doesn't step in, the, the, the noise level gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And this is all before the, the teacher's just letting the kids all talk. All of a sudden the teacher takes out his yardstick and smack, smacks the board on the word silence and everyone startles and, and his mouth is zipped. And the teacher has taught what the concept of silence is uh, by allowing the opposite of silence to express itself. Meaning the louder the students get and the harder the teacher bashes the board, the more clearly the exact opposite can be brought out. Yes, yes, yes. Even in a way better than, than just e explaining to them what the concept of silence is. The louder the class gets and the harder he smacks the board, the more clearly silence, which is the exact opposite, the more clearly that that will be expressed. So yes. I, I think that's what's going on in, in, in our world today, that it seems, in, at least superficially, that things are headed in not so great directions. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of... Uh, questions and nervousness and strife and people squabbling over nonsense but but i think at the core uh we we are kind of looking for something we're looking where there's a there's a great thirst that people are really just not um not finding yeah and uh one by one 
when 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 people are headed in the right direction and do find it they see oh my gosh this was this is this is what i was looking for this is it this is yeah. it i got it sounds like you're talking about dualism a little bit too it's like you're your angels can look like the devil sometimes in a way. It's like the, the contrast is what kind of can be the great lesson unveiled, I guess. Um, sometimes, sometimes. It's really, yeah, it's really powerful. Um, I could talk to you for the rest of the day, literally. <laughs> um, and we will talk more. Um, but for now, thank you so much. And um, Chelio is gonna explain his art to us before we sign off, which is really beautiful, Chelio. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And then it's very interesting uh, talk today. And it's coming this artwork. Uh, my point of view, my read after, because I don't know what I do when I draw. But my point of view is uh, our guests have uh, memory in DNA. And this is is so the ancient people, the family from century, is still alive inside of him. Oh. And we have a very uh, tan line of the head, you saw, but it's like it's open. The mind is open and projection on the God or on the universe of the totally uh, love is coming from universe and projection in the family. Mm. It's, uh, uh, I think is a mother, is wow. a mother, <laughs> but uh, we have son and daughter. Son is, is Jewish too. It's coming perfect. I don't understand what this is, these things. Uh, um, I can I can read this, but symbology is something uh, I don't know. Maybe he knows something about these things, but is symbologist, and we have a lot of family. Something is behind. Want to see something is yes. I am. I am your family. I'm a proud of my dad, my story, my ancient family. Wow. This is what's happened. For sure is production of love because the production coming from the light, from the universe, for respectful life, for honest life, and proud of this big family. Wow, ancient wisdom. Very cool. That's so neat. Thank you so much, Chelio. Thanks, Chelio. Are you welcome? We'll send welcome? it to you too because you'll probably catch other things inside of it. We'll send you the Okay, drawing. cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. This was amazing. I feel really inspired. Hi. Yeah. I'm glad. Yes. Um, okay, so we'll sign off. This episode will be on our YouTube channel later today, Humanizing the Icon. Um, the audio will be on Apple and Spotify. And Great. we'll um, get the playback up on Instagram. All right. Sounds yes. good. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful All right. day. Okay. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye.